My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And uh, this morning we are wrapping up our series on uh, the Holy Spirit. This is the second sermon on uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I hope you are ready for some revival that's about to go down. No one's. All right. That's what I thought. Exactly. Well, I grew up Presbyterian and the Holy Spirit, Holy Gifts, Revival, not part of my normal lexicon. And I didn't even think anything about it um, until I went off to college. And when I was in college, about halfway through, I started getting really serious about my faith. And uh, when I was in college, um, I was part of this campus ministry. And uh, there was this guy who discipled me and actually taught me almost everything I uh, know in ministry that kind of got me started on this track of becoming a pastor. He taught me. Um, but what I didn't know is that the ministry that I was a part of was loosely connected to the Assemblies of God Church. Now, I don't know if you know anything about the Assemblies of God Church, but it's a little different than the Presbyterian Church. Presbyterian Church, you know, we sit and we sing, holy, 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 right? It's beautiful and, and great. And then we, we leave and go to lunch. And, and the Assemblies of God Church, sometimes, you know, they, uh, they get after. They have loud music and there's, you know, there's Spiritual gifts are like crazy spe- people speaking in tongues and prophesying and yelling and screaming. And it depends on what kind of one you went to, right? Well, halfway through college, I'm a part of this ministry. And, uh, and this guy who's been mentoring me is like, man, Ben, you really have some gifts for ministry. And this might be a thing that God's called you to do. I'm like, man, that's really great. Maybe it is. And, uh, and so, he start, so he really starts like being really intentional with the way he's mentoring me. And he's like, and as we're getting, uh, going through this stuff, he's like, but here's the deal you can't be in leadership in our ministry unless you speak in tongues. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Because I'm Presbyterian. He's like, well, and we had this whole Bible study. And we laid it all down. And, uh, and he's like, well, let's pray for you to speak in tongues. And he prays over me and, and nothing happened. You know, it was like a non-starter. Well, he's a good, a, a good AG guy. And he says, listen, I got an idea. There's a winter retreat that's coming up. Let's for 40 days intentionally fast and pray so that by the time the winter retreat gets here, you are all primed to receive the gift of speaking in tongues from the Holy Spirit. I'm like, that sounds awesome. So for 40 days, I didn't fast food because I love food, but I found something different. And we, and we fast from that and we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. And, um, and sure enough, we drive up to this mountain retreat and it's a college retreat. It's an Assemblies of God college retreat. This is like not my normal cup of tea. And, uh, and we walk in there and this place is going crazy. There's all these beautiful college kids who love God and are singing their guts out and worshiping like crazy. And there's all these seminars and uh, it's day 39. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's day 39. It's happening. Maybe tomorrow is the day I'm going to get the gift of speaking in tongues. And uh, the next day, it's day 40. And uh, we're praying our guts out and I'm kind of all nervous. I'm like, this is it. This is how it's all going to go down. I'm going to, I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to be this, on this trajectory to be this incredible campus pastor and change the world forever and ever and ever. And, uh, and so that day we do all of our seminars and that night is the worship time, you know? And this is like Saturday night camp. I mean, even in Presbyterian land, we know how to do Saturday night camp. Well, imagine in AG land, Saturday night camp. This place is going off. I mean, we are singing our guts out. We are yelling and screaming and people are preaching like crazy and it is awesome. And, I, and inside I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm ramped up. It's been 40 days. I'm preparing myself. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And, um, and so they, they, they start this like prayer time and they're inviting people to be, uh, receive the gift of speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is this moment. And so they said, everyone gather around your campus pastor and pray for them. And I'm gathering around. I'm like, all huddling. I'm ready. It's day 40. And I'm like, dang it. And I realized there was nothing. It was like, I tried so hard. I was so ready. I opened my mouth. I like made my mouth. I kind of like should have bought a Honda, you know, all stuff they're supposed to tell you. to. And I'm like, I've tried. And I opened my mouth and nothing came out. Nothing came out. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this gift that I'm supposed to receive, I didn't get. 
And I was like, well, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my life, for my ministry, for my call? And I knew what it meant for sure. It meant that I couldn't be in leadership in this ministry. And so I, God used that to do some different things. But what a wild thing. And I think a lot of times we think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It feels a lot like a white elephant gift, you know? You know what gifts you want, but then there's the gifts that you get. You know what I mean? And that's how I felt. I felt like uh, there's certain gifts that I want. There's these gifts that I want that are going to be great and change the world for Jesus. And then there's the gifts that I got. And um, as, we, as we wrap up this time talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, my hope and intention for us is just to, to, to at least have a starting point to think about what does God have for us? All of us have been gifted by the Holy Spirit to do something, to be something, to be used by the church for the expansion of the kingdom of God. All of us have been empowered by the Holy Spirit and given gifts. And so this morning, we're just going to take a little step into kind of thinking about what those gifts might mean. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to uh, Romans chapter 12, and that'll be our passage for this morning. So Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have one body with many parts, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I think this is such a great anchor verse for us as we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because here's the idea that we are part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, we're the body, and we belong to each other. And each of us have been given gifts and abilities and things to do to be a part of the body of Christ for the ministry of Jesus. And uh, there's a huge list. That was just one tiny list. But if you look at all throughout Scripture, there's someone uh, smarter than me on Google compiled this whole list of gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's everything from, you can't read it because it's so small, but there's words of wisdom and faith and discernment and pastoral guidance and mercy and love and giving. The the two that we never talk about in church are uh, willingness to face martyrdom. Yes! And uh, and then celibacy. Those are like the two ones that we kind of keep on the down low. But those are like all the lists. There's so many gifts. There's so many things out there that God's like, these are the gifts that I have for my people to do the ministry that I'm calling them to do. There's so many of them. And, uh, and Art came up with this great definition, which I think is helpful as we navigate this. And uh, this is the definition. It's a talent or ability that's either newly ignited or newly planted in a person as a result of the decision to follow Jesus and to be then empowered by his Holy Spirit. And I love it because it's helpful to clarify that it's an ability, um, it's either newly ignited, which means it's part of your personality, the way that God has formed you from the beginning of your time, from your, with your past and your personality and all the things that you're good at. Like God, in that, he's igniting this thing in you. Or sometimes he just plants something in you out of the blue. And so when we talk about spiritual gifts, those are both of the things that happen. And since I have zero control over planting something new in you, um, let's, we're going to take a step back and something that we all have in common, which is our personalities. And I think a good place to start when you think, God, how have you formed me? What are the gifts that you've given me? A great place to start is, God, what is my personality? How have you made me as a person? Um, and so if you see, there's, there's kind of art divide them into three ways. All these spiritual gifts, there's action and care and speaking. Um, clever ways, right? Our heart, our head, our hands. And all of these, doesn't matter. We're all wired differently, but we're all these things, all of our personality is leveraged for the kingdom of God. 
Okay, so that's kind of our starting point. Um, we think of the Apostle uh, Peter. He's a great example of this, of, of this definition of something that's been ignited in him and then also receiving a gift out of the blue. Peter was, is this bold, um, kind of just bold. He just speaks his mind. He just says stuff. He gets himself in trouble a lot. Uh, when Jesus is walking along the water, he's the one that steps out onto the water uh, with Jesus. When uh, Jesus gets arrested, he's the one who takes his knife and tries, you know, cuts off the guy's ear. Um, when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He's the smart guy. He goes, you're the Christ. You know, Jesus says, you're the one that I'm going to plant and build my church. You're the rock, right? That's Peter. And he's this bold person who, is, uh, who, who knows Jesus, who's a, a gifted teacher. And, uh, and when on Pentecost, right, the Holy Spirit comes and actually uses his personality and his boldness and his ability to teach. And he ends up doing this incredible sermon and 3,000 people come to know Jesus. And it's, it's awesome. Um, there's also this part of him that, that the Holy Spirit's refining, right? He's, he's insecure. Uh, when Jesus gets arrested, right, these, like, um, some young girl goes, are, are, you with, are you with Jesus? And he freaks out and he denies Jesus. And that's one of the three times that he denies Jesus. Um, you know, he has this, like, this petty little conflict with John throughout Scripture. Like him and John have this like, little conflict all the way through. And, uh, and, and yet the Holy Spirit, after Pentecost, refines that away from him. And he becomes so bold and he ends up becoming one of the first martyrs. Right? So those, that's Peter. That's the way that God made him. And then the Holy Spirit ignited this thing in him and used and leveraged his personality to be used by God. Now, what's incredible about Peter is Peter also received this gift. He received the gift of healing. Before Pentecost, he was just a guy and uh, doing his thing. And in Acts chapter 3, him and John are going through the temple courts and there's a, there's a beggar who's lame and, Jesus, and Peter comes and he heals him. He's been given this gift, this new gift that the Holy Spirit gave him and he was able to heal this guy. And so Peter is this incredible uh, picture of that. And really, this, this, what I love about the statue is I think is actually a great idea for us because this statue is a lot like us. We are these masterpieces. This uh, statue was at one point a piece of marble in the ground somewhere, right? You probably hiked on it, walked over it, didn't know. But some craftsman, some smart person looked at that piece of marble and said, I'm going to take that marble. I see something in that marble and I'm going to use and leverage it and make something incredibly beautiful. And so, right, an incredible uh, craftsman was able to chip away all the parts of the marble that, weren't, that didn't serve the purpose so that it could become this beautiful masterpiece. And so when I think about us, when I think what God has for us, we all have these personalities. We're, we're stuck in the ground. We're, 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 we're excavated out, and we're this, this, this raw material. And God uses this raw material to chip away all the parts of us so that we can then be used by His glory. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are the things that are ignited in us that come out of that, of that place. Um, how many of you guys have ever taken personality tests? Is that some of you guys do? All right, let's see. There, how many of you have ever taken like the Myers-Briggs test? Is that, all right, that's something. What about the DISC? That's like for fancy leaders. You guys have taken the DISC. Um, there's the Enneagram. Have you ever taken that? That's kind of like a more spiritual one. Um, there is the, uh, the colors. Have you guys ever taken the colors test? No, or the dog test, the animal test? No. Any other ones? Oh, the strengths finders. That one's really great too. Okay. Well, I came across this, this, uh, this personality test. Now, some personality tests, you have to take like 20, answer 20 questions or 200 questions. This one will figure out who you are in two questions. Are you ready for this? 
It's going to be great. And so what's great about this too is it's, it's called the gem test. So we are gems. Did you know that? Isn't that clever? And if you think about that, we're these masterpieces, just like this marble statue. There's these gems, right, who are, that are excavated out of the ground and that go through this process and changed and cleansed and cut and used uh, for an incredible purpose. So we're going to take a gems test. So if you have a phone, uh, why don't you go ahead and take it out and we are going to put you in a box. How great is that? So... Um, and does someone not, anyone not have a, t- a phone that uh, wants to be a guinea pig? All right, come on up here. Who? No, no one wants to come up here. All right, you can't, you can't do your son. All right, Diane, come up here. You can't, that doesn't work. If you volunteer someone else, you come up here. All right, Diane, come up here. So if, there's, if you Google the GEMS personality test, you're going to find this question. It's two questions, and it's going to figure out exactly who you are. So, ready, Diane? No. <laughs> okay, so come right over here. This is Diane, and uh, let's... So you go to this website, you click on the, pick, on the start button, and, uh, and then away we go. All right. What do I do? We're just going to answer these, these questions. Oh. Okay. So you have to pick the scenario that best fits you. A, you don't want to damage your hair with harmful chemicals or, or, uh, or processes. And whatever's easy, you don't pay attention much to styling. Or your hair is always trendy, professional, and you, get, and you paid a lot of money to maintain it, even if you're a guy. Um, or you tend to pick a hairstyle that doesn't require a lot of time to maintain, and, uh, and you've been going to the same barber or hairstylist for 20 years, and you rarely uh, change your hairstyle. Or D, you love experimenting with funky colors, dreadlocks, and perms. C, I was going D, Diane. But, all right, a classic hairdo. Good job, Diane. Okay, now question number two. Of these four choices, which motivates you the most? Fun, serving others for a cause, facts and figures, or a challenge? C, again. All right. And the answer is, you're an emerald. Woo! Let's give it up for that. Can you feel the love? I don't know. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Diane. Okay. So that's how simple that test is. They put you in a box just like that. How fun is that? So I'm going to read. There's four actual um, gems that you could be. I'm just going to briefly read through these, and you have to pick one. All right? I know. It's like youth group all over again. You guys are like, really? You're making us do this? I know. Okay. So... Here we go. Start with, uh, we'll start with the emerald. You might be an emerald if uh, your perfect gift is a new planner and color-coded stickers. Or uh, your systems have systems. You often say, what's the bottom line? Excel is your playground. You're never late. And you want to know all the details before you decide. You might be an emerald. All right. Or you might be a ruby if your perfect gift is, a rec- is recognition or a status symbol like a luxury brand. You don't like playing if you don't think you can win. You naturally gravitate, gravitate towards leadership. You thrive off of goals and challenges. You can't stand complacency or, uh, or lack of drive. All right. Then there's the sapphire. You might be a sapphire. Um, your perfect gift is a group experience or game. You believe rules were made to be ignored, especially if, they're, if they stop your fun. You love being in the limelight. Your desk is a mess and you're always 10 minutes late. Your energy is contagious and you light up a room and you spread positivity. Or you might be a pearl. If you think about this, your perfect gift is, a pers- is, is personalized or shows that someone was thinking of you especially. You hate confrontation. You thrive on being part of something bigger than yourself. You, uh, you're, like, uh, you're likely quiet, um, introverted, and calm. And people know they can count on you and sometimes take advantage of that. All right. So that's your, those are your four uh, boxes you get to play in. So let's, let's commit here. Who 
uh, in this room are emeralds. Any emeralds in the, in the room? Nice, Carly. All right, any rubies? A couple of you. Any sapphires? Oh, of course, party people. And any pearls? All right, and then any non-joiners who are like, you're not going to make me do whatever. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That fills my soul. Okay, so all personality profiles are silly, and uh, you can mine and go forever, or you can be in top shelf and go, that's the stupidest thing ever. There, what I think was interesting about this one is someone did some work and actually linked uh, types of spiritual gifts that are associated with certain personalities. And so um, the sapphires, they, some of the... Um, some of the spiritual gifts that are associated with sapphires are faith and prophecy and encouragement. With pearl personalities are mercy and healing and intercession and service. In emeralds, you have teaching and wisdom and discernment and rubies, uh, leadership and governance. And this isn't like an exhaustive list. This isn't an end-all be-all. But when, I, when you start thinking about, God, how have you formed me? How have you made me? What are you doing inside of me? I think it's helpful to go Look at our personalities. You've wired each of us in a unique way. And though each way that we're wired also tends to lead in certain ways uh, spiritually, in certain ways in the spiritual gifts. And so this last week, I've been thinking a lot about how does that work with me and in my spiritual gifts? And, um, and one of the, the ways, I'm an emerald. Um, we are systems love systems. And uh, as I've been reflecting on this, one of my spiritual gifts is the spiritual gift of wisdom. And looking back, most of my life, I see that I have been, um, like if you see this picture of an emerald, an emerald uh, in its natural form is not very pretty. It's kind of, you'd walk right over it. You couldn't really tell what it is. And all of us are these gems um, that, are, that, have, that are just kind of, that look common. But as the Holy Spirit ignites in them, as the Holy Spirit uh, chips away um, the garbage and the debris, what's left is this incredible thing. And sure enough, God actually used my personality type and has been leveraging my personality type um, for a long, long time, I've always been really quiet. I've always sat in the back of the room. I've always observed and collected data and collected information and collected data and information and never really said anything. And over the last few years, actually, I've been really encouraged uh, that I should probably open my mouth a little bit more. And uh, our staff is, sometimes gets mad at me because I'll see a problem or a situation and I won't say anything because I'm like, well, I know it in my head. And they're like, why don't you say something if you know a solution or a way through that? And, um, and so as I look back at my life, I think the way that God has wired me and then I can affirm, oh my goodness, in the way that you've wired me, you've actually ignited this thing in me, this wisdom gift that is a gift from you that instead of just keeping to myself, can and should be used for the kingdom of God, right? And all of us have those. All of us have natural ways that we're wired that God wants to chip away and use and leverage for the kingdom of God. Now, I mentioned earlier, I desperately wanted the gift of speaking in tongues. How cool would that be? That was a gift I saw and I wanted. It doesn't work with emerald at all. Um, but what's interesting is, as I've been reflecting on this uh, for the last couple of weeks as we're preparing for this sermon, that the Holy Spirit actually gave me a gift, a gift that has nothing to do with my personality, that was a gift straight just from Him to me, not for anything I did, not for any of my history, not for any of my personality, and He gave me this gift. I wanted it to be something really sexy like speaking in tongues or prophesying, um, but He gave me the gift of encouragement which is kind of wild. Like I have like kind of a mean face and no one really wants to talk to me because I think I'm going to yell at them. I have this gift of wisdom. Most wisdom people are crotchety people. That, and if you read Proverbs, right? Proverbs basically says, here's what you should do and you're probably not. That's like the tone of Proverbs. And that's how wisdom people are. And only by the grace of God that God has given me this gift of encouragement. And I never really thought like, oh, I have the gift of encouragement because I'm not really fun and I don't like, but like 
as I reflect back, what happened is I realized there's people in my life who call me when, uh, when, they're, when, they're down and when they're down the dumps or things are, 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 are rough. Um, they'll be driving someone, they'll call me, and they're like, man, Ben, I just need, I just need a little pick-me-up. Will you give me some encouragement? And, uh, and, and it's not from me because I'm a crotchety person and I'm a pessimistic person by nature. And how cool that God has given me this thing to be used, to be leveraged for the kingdom of God. And I think all of us who know and love Jesus, there's gifts that are deeply rooted in our personality that God wants to refine and shape and use. And there's just free gifts that he gives. And how gracious is God that he does that. And so the deal is that we all have these gifts, but if we just use them for ourselves, for our own glory, for our own personal satisfaction, and if anyone who really likes personality profiles, we love learning about ourselves. We love, love, love knowing more and more and more about ourselves. But we will miss the point totally if we don't realize that all those things that we are learning about ourselves are to be leveraged for the kingdom of God. And so in Romans 12, it said that we belong to each other, that we belong to each other. And here's the deal, that we cannot be the church without you. The only way that our church works and functions and does what it's supposed to do is if every single person does the thing that God has called them to do. We are such a unique and diverse body of Christ, and it would be so, it would be a shame if one voice got to be the only voice that determined, if one skill set was the only skill set that was affirmed, if one gift was the, was the one gift that was affirmed, if one passion was the only thing that our church focused on, that God is alive and at work in our whole, in the whole world, and he needs all of us to gather around. So this picture is, uh, is this picture from this last week. Um, I was in Tennessee um, on a leadership council for this triennial retreat we do called Chick. So every three years, our high schoolers go to the University of Tennessee, and for 6,000 of these high schoolers, they come and are part of this gigantic conference and world-class speakers and music and workshops, and it is incredible. And so around this table are 12 of some of the most unique and diverse and incredibly gifted people I've ever had the chance to be around or to work with. And uh, we at this table, we sit around and we spend basically two and a half years thinking how in the world are we going to help our young people be in an environment where they can encounter Jesus, where they can hear what the Holy Spirit might have for them and maybe use them in their context. That in and of itself is a total miracle. I have no idea how we're going to pull that off. That is such a challenge. And everyone kind of came ready for that challenge. But this week, there was even a bigger challenge. As you can tell from this picture, these are people from every background, from every walk of life, from every part of the country. And they represent our entire denomination. And, we, and everyone came to this meeting with a heavy, heavy heart. Because not only are we trying to figure out how in the world do you help adolescents know Jesus better, we're part of a church and a denomination that's really divided. And there's so much deep pain and uncertainty. One of our denominational leaders missed part of our meeting because there's a whole group of people who are like, maybe this denomination isn't for us anymore because it's evangelical. And how does that work? And so this is the heavy heart that people came. And here we are, this diverse group of leaders sitting around a table thinking, how in the world are we going to pull off chick? Not are we just trying to help them know and love Jesus. We're trying to think about what are you going to do in some 15-year-old kid comes rolling in with his Make America Great hat and bumps up to another 15-year-old kid with his Black Lives Matter shirt, and they're 15-year-old kids who are like the epitome of grace and wisdom and discernment, right? I mean, you guys are, but I'm talking to the rest of the country, those guys. And so what happens when they meet each other? And it was, it was so stressful and caused my, my irritable bowel syndrome all week was like, 
on fire. I like had to step out like every 20 minutes because it was just, I was a total wreck. But imagine sitting at a table like that. And for as hard as it is, as for as heavy as it is, for as much division and hurt and potential hurt and division as there is and could be, I had this peace because the leaders sitting around that table are people who know and love Jesus. They're people who are committed to the ministry of Jesus. They're people who are committed to working out their own garbage and understanding their own issues and their own thing that they bring to the table and are people who are generous and empathetic and mostly open to the Holy Spirit. And by the end of the week, I felt this sense of calm, like, oh my goodness, God, you are going to do something in the life of our denomination. You're going to do something in the life of our church. You're going to do something in the life of the church because Christian leaders are going to stand up and are going to lean into what the Holy Spirit might have for them. And I was really encouraged. I'm thankful that it's a year and a half from now because I'm not thankful if it was tomorrow. But that is the trajectory that we're on. And when I think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that's what the Holy Spirit is empowering his people to do. The Holy Spirit is not empowering his people to be like, oh, I'm now the most fulfilled version of myself. The Holy Spirit is empowering each of us so that all of us with our unique parts of the body of Christ, we come together and we can leverage that to be ministers of reconciliation and people who bring about the kingdom of God. So before I wrap this up, um, I'm going to give you both a wise and encouraging rebuke. How's that sound? You ready for this? I'm going to point it towards me so you don't have to feel bad, but it might be for you too. In Isaiah chapter 1, the people of God, they're the people of God. We're like, man, we're so awesome. We're the people of God. And Isaiah is the prophet of God and basically called by God to help the people of God know that they have missed it. In their, in their joyous celebration of being the people of God and their, their being so proud that they're in the in crowd, they've ended up crushing the weakest and poorest among them. They've ended up becoming total hypocrites in worship. And like I said, not for you, it's for me. And Isaiah comes in and says, listen, my people are supposed to be about something that's incredible. But in order for it to be about something incredible, we have to own our own garbage. We have to take care of our own business. And I love this passage in the middle of Isaiah. I mean, I don't love it. It's been haunting me all week. Um, but I think it's a great place to start because we have to stop ourselves. When we think about wanting gifts of the Holy Spirit, we have to make sure that we are open and available to what God actually has for us. We're these gems that are in the ground and we're only going to be used by God when we bring those gems before the throne of God. And we say, wash me, make me clean. God says to take the evil deeds out of my sight and stop doing wrong. That we will never be inflamed with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit if we are surrounded by sin, if we're surrounded by hypocrisy, if we're surrounded by judgmentalism. If those things are all around us, then we are stifling what the Holy Spirit has to do. And God very clearly says we have to wash and make ourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight and stop doing wrong. And then in this refining process, we learn to do what is right. We seek justice. We defend the, the oppressed. And we take up the cause of the fatherless. That's what we are called to do as the church of Jesus Christ. That is the ministry that God has put on us to do, to be these ministers of reconciliation, to seek what is right, to seek justice, to defend the oppressed, and to, to lift up the cause of the fatherless. That's what we get to do. And by myself, I don't know how to do any of that. 
but you do and the person next to you do and the collective wisdom of the body of Christ does that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's inviting us to do. So as we think about being people of faith, people who want to know and lean into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we need to recognize those gifts are a gift from God. And your gift, like I want the sexy gifts. I don't get the sexy gifts. I get wisdom. No one likes that gift. I get encouragement. One person likes that gift on the phone. But that's my one small little piece. So your small little piece is vital and your small little piece is vital and your small little piece is vital. All of us bring our piece that God has called us to do, and we bring it all to the table so that the body of Christ can be whole and healthy and we can get after all that God has for us. I'm going to invite the band. Oh, just kidding. I have four quick questions for you to think about. And I'm going to invite the band up. And then these are questions that I've been wrestling with for, for this, a little bit um, in this week especially, but I'd like just to encourage you to, to be wrestling with these too. As we wrap up our series on the Holy Spirit, just to be thinking about How am I quenching the Holy Spirit? All of us have sin and rebellion in our life that just throws a big wet blanket on what God wants to do in us. So how am I quenching the Holy Spirit? What needs to be chipped away to allow the Holy Spirit to be more at work in and through me? How has God gifted me? And how can I leverage this gift for the ministry of reconciliation as we seek to be ambassadors of good world in this world. Until we wrestle with these things, until we own these things, until we allow Jesus to mold us and shape us and refine us, we won't be allowed, we won't be in a place for him to actually empower us and send us. So I pray for us and we'll spend a little time in worship and then we'll wrap up our time together. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, we thank you that you love us, that you are so gracious and patient and long-suffering with us. You have such big dreams and hopes for your church. And we long to be a church that is about your things. God, we live in a world that is deeply broken. We're part of a church that's deeply divided. And the only way that reconciliation is going to happen is when your people lean into your Holy Spirit, empowered and gifted by your gifts, will we be able to do what you have called us to do. Have your way with us. Have your way with us here at Marin Covenant Church that we would be a church that would be about the things of you. Forgive us. Heal us. Transform us. Empower us. And send us for your glory. Amen.